as followers of Jesus, his apprentices, we're trying to sit at his feet and learn from him what it means to live and breathe true kingdom life. We're desiring to watch him and to take upon ourselves the rhythms and the practices which help us to live more deeply into that life of abiding in intimacy with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we look at Jesus, we see that prayer was vital to his own abiding relationship to the Father. And that's why we've begun this series on prayer that we're in the middle of that we are calling the boiler room. Together, we're trying to value prayer more and to learn simple yet practical prayer practices that can help us live a deeper life of prayer, both as individuals and as a community as a whole. We do this because we are convinced that prayer is one of the key spiritual practices we can build into the rhythm of our daily lives. And so our theme verse for the next several weeks is Ephesians 6.18, where Paul says to us, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we strive to grow in prayer, and boy do I have a long way to go, trust me, um, because we're convinced that the prayers of God's people are the boiler room of the church, and that's why this emphasis. The boiler room being the unseen power, house of the church, and of all that we do that has any eternal value. I say unseen powerhouse because it rarely is seen, frankly. It is happening quietly at various hours and in various homes all over the city, occurring under the radar, so to speak, going unnoticed to most of us. But its importance and its impact is disproportionate to its lack of visibility. And I hope I said that right. I hope that makes sense. When I was growing up as a child, with my father being such an important person at Fort Hayes State University, I was frequently on campus with him. With him, I had access to almost every building on that campus. But there was one building that I never entered. It was on the northwest corner of the main campus square the power plant. I remember that mysterious building perfectly, its size and shape. I even remember the old smokestack. I even knew that it was called the power plant. But I never truly understood how important that building was and how important the boilers were inside of it. The boilers that generated the steam that single-handedly powered the whole university for many decades. I had no clue how important that little, unobtrusive building was. And it's the same with prayer. Not always visible or visually prominent, but packed with power. To illustrate the power of prayer, I want to read a story from 2 Chronicles 20. I briefly mentioned it last week, but I want to read it this week, for it illustrates the power of prayer. And here's what it says. The Moabites and Ammonites with some Mayunites, and again, like I said last week, not the Mennonites, but Mayunites, they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat and against Israel's southern kingdom of Judah. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard. And he prayed, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who's in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. 
Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. He then asks God to defeat them, saying this, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The story continues in verse 20, where it says this, Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa, and as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood, and he said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. The New Century Version, which um, our Quad's New Testament uses, said they praised him because he is holy and wonderful. So again, he appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. It's a powerful story. I encourage you to look up the chapter and read it. But as a result of their prayer, God moved and he acted on their behalf. We tend to think that he moves primarily to my asks, and he does. But that story in 2 Chronicles shows us something quite interesting. Did you catch that last part? It said, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So, God moved not only in, their res in response to their request for help, but he moved in response to their praise, including their thanksgiving. I really love that little touch in the story. But all that is, again, to illustrate that there is power in prayer. That's why Alfred Lord Tennyson said, More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Or why Jim Elliot wrote, The saint who advances on his knees never retreats. So let us strive together to become more of a praying church. As I said, with all of this, we're trying to cast the vision for being a church of prayer, but also to keep it practical. Um, stuff that we can put into our real life prayers. And that's really important to me that we do that. And before I get into today's practical thing, let me just go back to a couple weeks ago. Um, I mean, let me go back to last week. If you weren't able to view the service or listen online, I talked about the four basic types of prayer, and I offered an acrostic to remember it. It's P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. There are two types of praise. Adoration, praising God for who He is, and thanksgiving, praising God for what He's done. And there are two types of ask. First, asking on behalf of others. That's called intercession in the church world. And then asking on behalf of yourself. That's called petition in the church world. And so, when I pray each day, most of the time I praise Him with both adoration and thanksgiving. I repent, 
I confess of my sin to him. I ask both for others and for myself, and I yield, offering my day and my life up to God. If you didn't see or hear that teaching, and if you feel new to this whole praying thing, or you feel that you don't really have your mind wrapped around it well, or really don't feel you know what to pray about when you take time to talk to God, I encourage you to give it a watch or a listen. Early in my prayer walk with Jesus, a prayer acrostic impacted the way I pray, and it still to this day influences my prayer life. Speaking of yielding prayer, the Y in that P-R-A-Y acronym, um, the last prayer part of that acrostic, I'm wondering how the practice I introduced two weeks ago to you and challenged you with, I wonder how it's going for you. This will be the third week of practicing it, that kneeling prayer before phone. If you've been doing it, I want to encourage you to hang in there. They say it takes three weeks to get something ingrained as a habit into your muscle memory. I've had a number of people tell me how valuable it has been. I even had one individual tell me they realized last fall that their phone had taken too large a place in their life and how that their morning time with God had been negatively impacted by time on their phone first thing each morning. So they had instituted a similar pattern in their life to reorient their life more around God. It was a really encouraging story to me to hear that. It affirmed that practice in my life. One other reason I bring it up, um, as I've been reading through the New Testament with my quad, as we were finishing up Luke a few weeks ago, I noticed something really interesting. It's in Luke 22:39-42. It's the story of Jesus' prayer in the garden just before his arrest on the night before his crucifixion. And here's what it says. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Without a doubt, there in that story, we encounter probably the greatest prayer of yielding and surrender ever prayed. But I left one important detail out, something I had never noticed before. So let me do the last part of that again, but I'm going to put the detail in that's in Luke. It says, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Before Jesus offered that yielding prayer to the Father, he knelt Yielding and kneeling, they just go together. That bodily posture embodies the reality of the prayer. There's something powerful about kneeling, a way of saying, I am not my own. I serve a different king. Not King Garen and his kingdom, but King Jesus and his. Anyways, Jesus is our model. And if kneeling prayer was part of his pattern, then it doesn't hurt for me to take that up into my own prayer practice. And so that was kind of an encouragement to those of you who were giving it a shot to hang in there for a little while. If you haven't even tried it, go back uh, two weeks ago. That's where I talked about the practice in a little more detail, but I really challenge you to, to not allow the phone to be the first thing you do in the morning, but to actually make kneeling prayer before phone, just a simple prayer of healing your life, um, the thing that you do before you pick up your phone or do anything else.
All right. This week, I want to teach you another simple but profound prayer practice, and it's this. Praying from the inside out. And in a minute, I'm going to use my little man to show you that. So this week, you're getting really high-tech graphics with this sermon. Praying from the inside out. Just this week, we watched the Pixar movie by that name, Inside Out, for a second time. Good story, but I'm not referring to that. Now, before I teach this practice of praying from the inside out, let me start with this. Um, as we've talked the last few weeks, I've really been encouraging you to think about your relationship with God just like any other relationship. It really is not as complicated as people want to make it. I have found that me from the perspective of a parent and seeing God from that perspective because he is a father, it really helps me to better understand my relationship with him, especially for me as, my, as a dad who deeply understands a father-child relationship. It's especially helpful in the way it teaches me how to pray when I find myself in difficult circumstances, this praying from the inside out. I think it's the nature of all of us, at least it is me, to avoid difficulty and discomfort. Anytime we find ourselves in the midst of trouble or conflict or pain, our desire is the immediate removal from the situation. So anytime I enter into some kind of external difficulty in my situational life, I want to get out of there, right? Get the heck out of Dodge. That's what I want to do. I don't want to find myself in that place. And my focus, what it really becomes, and this is supposed to be a magnifying glass, uh, because this is modern art. So if you think this is not beautiful, um, it's simply because you probably haven't learned to love modern art and uh, that's not my fault. Anyways, that's a magnifying glass. But what we tend to focus on is we tend to focus on the externals. That's what we tend to focus on. We focus on, if I wrote here, if I can fit it in, we tend to focus on our circumstances Can you read that gobbledygook? And we tend to focus on our own comfort. So we, we focus on externals, the circumstances, seeking our own comfort. Our primary concern in all of this when we enter difficulty really is we are longing for and seeking our own happiness. That's the way we normally approach the difficulties in our life. For the most part, what I desire in my life is ease, familiarity, security, constancy. That's what I want. However, God's perspective is very different from ours. If I were to diagram it, I think it looks like this. His focus is more on our heart. More on our heart. Again, a good example of modern art here is on our heart. His focus is not on the internals. But his focus, if he were to have a magnifying glass, is on the internals, right? Internals. That's what his focus on. It's on our character. Not so much our comfort or our circumstances, but it's on our character. God's primary concern is our growth. He's much more interested in our character than he is in our circumstances or our comfort. He is much more interested in 
our holiness, then he is in our happiness. Make sense? So what God desires most for my life is maturity and character. Things like patience and other centeredness, love, kindness, honesty, things like that. Things like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. My focus, externals, circumstances, comfort. That's what I want. I'm most interested in my happiness. That's where my focus is. I'm really wanting ease and familiarity, constancy, security. God's focus is the internals, character. He's most interested in my eternal growth. He's interested in my holiness. That's what he's interested in. Things like patience, other-centeredness, courage, humility, trust, love, kindness, compassion, mercy, all of those things. So this perspective with a focus on the inside is the same perspective that any good parent has toward their children. Well, I would like for my children to find themselves in a good life situation. I am much more concerned with the content of their heart than I am the nature of their circumstances. That's why on my daily prayer sheet for our children, the primary prayer emphasis is on virtues. There have been times that I've allowed my children to be in difficult situations for the purpose of growing them up in their character. Allowed them in difficult situations. All parents can tell you stories of times their children wanted to do something or signed up for something, some activity only to shrink back on the day of the first rehearsal or the first practice or whatever. But rather than allow them to seek circumstantial comfort, we lovingly nudge them into the discomfort. Because we knew that by pushing through that fear barrier, they would learn and grow and mature, most of the time, be glad for it, most of the time. We knew it would develop in them resiliency. It's the same with God. God is good. Nahum 1.7. It's his desire for us to grow and to mature and to flourish, even in the midst of difficulty. So he will not always take me out of the places that I fear or do not like. He's not always going to take me out of those places. He will allow me to go through the refiner's fire at times throughout my life for my good, for my good. I want to take just a few minutes and I want to look at a few prayers from the Bible. And let's ask ourselves the question, what is the focus of these prayers? A change of outward circumstances or a change of inward character? So let me just read these and let's see where the focus of these biblical prayers are. In Ephesians 1, 5, 1, 15 to 17, here's what Paul prays for the Ephesian believers. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. He continues in Ephesians 3, 16 and 19, where he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and how deep the love of Christ is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In Colossians 1, 19-12, this is what he prays for the Colossian believers. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge, the knowledge of His will, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And then Philippians, here's his prayer for the Philippian believers in Philippians 1, 9 to 11. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I mean, it's pretty obvious where the focus is, right? The focus of those prayers is on the internals. It's on the heart, because that's the thing that God most cares about. So here's what I want you to learn from this. The next time you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, do not begin by asking God to remove you from the situation. That's praying from the outside in. Rather, pray from the inside out. Start by praying for God to use the situation to help you grow in your character. For example, if you find yourself in a situation where someone is saying bad things about you, don't start by asking God to shut them up, as tempting as that is. Start by asking for stronger character. Offer up a prayer like this. Dear Father, you know that so-and-so is saying bad things about me to other people, and I do not like that at all. I so much want to ask you to make them stop, but I know that this is a chance for me to grow in my inner character. So Father, please help me to develop patience through this difficulty. Help me to learn to show unconditional love to that person. You're the epitome of unconditional love, but I really struggle in that area. So use this to help me to grow in love. Through this, have your work in my inner life, in my heart. Nothing would please a parent more than a request like that, and nothing pleases God more. While he may not necessarily remove me from the negative situation, he would most certainly grant my request to make me internally more like himself by making me a loving person. And when you pray for others, do the same. Pray first for God's work in their spirit, that he would make them more like himself. Then pray about the outer circumstances, letting your request be made known to God, because He does care about the totality of our lives. We pray from the inside out because we know that He may not respond in the way that I want in relation to the outer circumstances of my life, for only He really truly knows what's best. But He will respond every single time, every time, to a prayer for growth and holiness. He will say always yes to that. Is that not the case?
And why? Well, it's because God, as my good, good father, in the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson knows, what lies behind us and what lies beyond, beyond us, before us, are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. The great saints of the church have spoken to the wisdom of prayer being primarily about the inner state of the heart. The inner state, about this need to pray from the inside out. Phillips Brooks wrote, Do not pray for easier lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be the miracle. Or Kathleen Norris, who said, I've learned that prayer is not asking for what you think you want, but it's asking to be changed in ways you can't imagine. Or the old Jewish proverb that beckons us to ask not for a lighter burden, but for broader shoulders. My personal favorite is something written by an anonymous soldier during the Civil War. And here was what he wrote. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity, rather, that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I had hoped for. I am among all men most richly blessed. I've had this experience in my own life, I mean, many times, but one particular story comes to mind of this praying from the inside out. Many, many years ago, I had a physical problem going on, could not get a solution, went to a specialist, they couldn't get it fixed, and it was something that was really bothering me. Um, anytime you live with a chronic physical thing, it, it just wears you down. And, and for months, had been praying about this, I think for six, seven months. And one morning was with Tom Reese, dear old friend. And, you know, he asked how it was going, and I said, no change. And he said, you know, I wonder, uh, maybe there's some work God is wanting to have in your heart through this. And when he, when he said that, it totally, it just clicked something in my mind. It, it put me in a different frame of reference. It gave me a totally different perspective. And I'm like, right, right. I've been praying for the removal of this outward circumstance. And I've not been praying at all for what's going on internally. And so I changed my prayer and I began to ask God, show me the work you want to do internally through this. And God did pretty, in just a few days, there was something that became pretty clear. And through all of that, God began to transform that part of my life. So I've lived this and it really is a, a good way to pray. So I would summarize in this way. The thing God most desires for us is our inner transformation. Our being formed, conformed, and transformed into the image of Jesus, becoming more holy, becoming more godly. I challenge you to seek to make it your practice to pray from the inside out. You won't always remember, trust me, when you first encounter a difficulty, it is our natural response. 
uh, I think it's the response of any child to cry out for help. At least that's what I do. But I try to bring myself back to this concept of praying from the inside out. I think a really easy way to do this is to take one of the prayers in the Bible and to pray it for yourself. Um, to turn it into something, to make it, to personalize it and pray it, pray it over your own heart. Um, like Colossians 3, 9 to 12. This is an example of that. Um, I prayed that, I read that a minute ago, but let me turn it into a prayer for myself. Lord, I pray for myself, asking that I will know fully what you want. I pray that you'll give me great wisdom and understanding in spiritual things so I will live the kind of life that honors and pleases you in every way. I want to produce fruit in every good work, and I want to grow in the knowledge of you. Please strengthen me with your own great power so I will not give up when troubles come, but will instead be patient. I joyfully give thanks to you, my Father, the one who's made me able to have a share in all that you prepared for your people in the kingdom of light. So I've taken that prayer and I've just simply personalized it and made it about me. And that's really what my daily prayer sheet is for our children on the backside, is I've taken scripture and I've turned it into prayers for them. Um, one of them is Hebrews 13, 21, and here's the prayer. Equip our children with all they need to do your will. Produce in them every good thing that is pleasing to you through Jesus' power. Or I might on another day pray Psalm 144.12 over them. May our son flourish like a well-nurtured plant. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. So that's praying from the inside out. I've just taken those prayers from the Bible and I've personalized them for our children. Okay, let's wrap up. Let's continue to strive to become more of a praying people. Let us take to heart Paul's words found in Ephesians 6.18, his exhortation to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All kinds of prayers and requests. So, first thing in the morning, kneeling prayer before phone. That's a kind of prayer. Or when I have my prayer time, I give praise through adoration and thanksgiving. I repent I, by confessing my sin. I ask for others than myself, and then I yield. That's a kind of prayer. Those are kind of four kinds of prayers, or even eight kinds of prayers that are all wrapped up inside of that. Another kind of prayer is this praying from the inside out kind of prayer. So let us pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So just trying to be really practical and give us different kinds of prayers to pray. Um, but let us really especially learn this practice of praying from the inside out. If you do, I believe it will have a transformative effect on your prayer life. I know it has really affected mine since I've learned about that and begun doing it. I would like to close by praying 2 Peter 1, 5-8 over us all. So, would you join me while I pray for me and for you? Dear Father, as we make the effort to grow close to you, would you please add to our faith goodness and to our goodness knowledge? And to our knowledge, would you add self-control? And to our self-control, please add perseverance. And to that perseverance, would you add godliness? To our godliness, would you add kindness to all of our brothers and sisters in Jesus? And to that kindness to our brothers and sisters in Jesus, please add generous love. 
For I know that if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of you. And as always, Jesus, we pray this in your name because it's all because of you and it's all for you. And God's people said, Amen, which means so be it. All right, let us end our time together this morning in a time of praise and worship. So turn it over to Robert.